Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. Good evening and welcome. So glad to have you guys with us tonight. For those that are new, I'm Pastor Daniel. Glad to have you with us I am excited for tonight. Um, We get to talk about prayer, but from a little different angle than what you're probably used to. Um, I don't know if anyone ever in here has ever felt like their prayers were broken. Um, If you've ever had it where you're like, you know what? I know God answers prayers from other people. (laughs) They're like, you know what? I know God wants to heal somebody else. And like, we, we can get this thing where, like, well, I know that it happens. I know that it happened in the Bible, but, but why haven't I seen it? Or why didn't this happen? And sometimes we can get in this, like, feeling. And I just had a conversation with somebody this last week, and they were like, you know, I just realized that I totally believed that God wants to heal everybody else, but not me. And I got looking and thinking, going, you know, I think that this feeling um, is is pretty common. In fact, there's been whole denominations that have formed theology around the fact that they didn't feel like their prayers worked. And so I started looking, going, is this this like a new thing? When did, when was it that, and, and why is it that some of these prayers didn't work? And what was the answer in the Bible when they prayed and didn't see this thing happened. I said, well, let's, let's dive into the word and see. And so I want to start with Matthew chapter 10. So it starts out in verse one, Jesus calls his 12 disciples and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. And then it goes on in verse eight, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You have received without paying, give without pay. So I look at this and I'm like, okay, that is a awesome commissioning. And that is like a seriously hefty, like blank check. Like it wasn't like, all right, hey, uh, you're set up for colds. Um, I'm going to have you head out for these kind of paralysis. I want you to take, like, it wasn't like he divided and was like, all right, you can, you each get to heal one thing. He's like, all right, if it's broken, you should fix it. Your job is to bring the kingdom of God um, to earth. We, you know, and he'd already, this is Matthew 10, which comes after Matthew 6. Matthew 6, he'd already told them to pray. God's kingdom come, his will be done. He's telling them that they're supposed to go and proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As they go, so he says, you're gonna go, you're gonna proclaim what happens in heaven down on earth. You're gonna speak this and you're gonna see these things happen. You have been commissioned. You have been empowered. And then they go out, they do some of this and they get really excited and they come back and they're like, Jesus, it worked! And they're all excited. But then we're going to fast forward if you, to another story. Um, in Matthew, it happens in chapter 17. In Mark's account, it happens in chapter 9. And we're going to flip over to Mark's account. So Jesus heads up on the mountain um, and he leaves most of his disciples down at the base. He takes three guys with him and if you're Somewhat familiar with the story, it's often referred to as the Mount of Transfiguration, or if there's like a little headline in your Bible. But he goes up here, 
really cool things happen on top of the mountain. But we're going to focus on what happens at the bottom. So three disciples are with him, and they're coming down with him, and they're just like, we got to see cool stuff. And they get to the bottom of the mountain, and there's a big old crowd of people, and there's like a commotion. And then as soon as they see Jesus and he shows up, this dad runs up to Jesus. And when he does, he's upset. And he's like, um, teacher, I brought my son to your disciples. And he's got this, this spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. And he foams and he, at the mouth and he grinds with his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out. And they were not able. And I paused. I'm like, wait a second. What do you mean they weren't able? We just heard in chapter 10 that they got commissioned, they got equipped. Why are their prayers broken? And, and so, so this is, has this is like been pondering. And so then I started diving all over the word to check this out. But so they weren't able. Jesus responds, oh, faithless generation, how long am I supposed to be with you? And to bear with you, bring him to me. And then as they brought him to him, brought the boy to him, the spirit saw him and immediately it convulsed the boy. And so he's coming to Jesus to get better. And what happens? Worse. Looks worse. Is Jesus broken? <laughs> no, but like for real, like, and, and I'm going to go through this several times throughout, but I want you to, to remember something, to catch something. We often miss things because we have a couple of thousand year perspective. If, I, if you ask about a game that happened a while back, you get who won, right? They're like, hey, what, was, what happened in this game? They're like, this team beat that team. The Lions finally won some games. Like, I don't know, like they're, they're gonna give you this, this big picture. But they pro like, unless it just happened, they're probably going to forget to go, oh, by the way, the team that won was behind in the second quarter. They, they, they started coming back in the third quarter and then this happened. They're just going to tell you what the end score was, right? Well, when we see some of these stories in the Bible, we see the end score. And then in our life, we see the mid-game score. And then we're like, we're broken, my end score doesn't look like, my, my present score doesn't look like what my end score should be. And so as I looked at this, um, yeah, so, so I'm, I'm diving in, going, it's actually starting to look worse. So what does Jesus do? Does Jesus have a panic moment? Does Jesus go, hey, pause, I'm gonna have to recharge, I don't know what's wrong. My power is missing. No, but like, I, I say that in jest because I feel like that's how a lot of us would respond. That we would get into it and then we'd be like, oh, well, I expected this to happen, but wait a second. Um, I prayed for you because your shoulder hurt and now it hurts worse? Hmm. Like, what do we do there? For, for, for a lot of people, they're like, I ran away. And I was just listening to somebody who's like, we'll, we'll get into what, how he responded in a minute. But I want to I show you what Jesus did. Jesus has this conversation. He goes, um, the, the, the man asks, hey, if you can, 
Have compassion on us. And Jesus says, all things are possible for him who believes. Help my unbelief. Jesus rebukes the unclean spirit. You, and, and he says, and never come into him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly. Does that sound better? Crying out and convulsing. Does not sound better. It looks scary. It came out. And the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them said, ah, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And then the disciples are like, all right, Jesus, what did we do wrong? Like, how come it didn't work? And when I, when I read that they were asking Jesus, how come it didn't work? That messed with a lot of my theology. See, because when, when you first hear Jesus say, hey, you faithless generation, your first thought is, well, the reason it didn't work is because they didn't think it was going to work, right? Because they're faithless. But when they come up to Jesus and they go, hey, Jesus, how come it didn't work? That indicates that they had an expectation that it would work, at least at one point. Yeah. So what was broken? Where was this disconnect? And so I'm looking and I'm, I'm like, there's, there's answers to this. There, there is. Um, but why didn't they, when they seemed to have faith, when they, they seemed to, and in depending on which gospel, um, some of them point out in the middle where he calls them faithless. Some of them point out after their response that Jesus goes, hey, this kind, kind comes out with prayer and fasting. But I started looking and going, okay, so was it just the disciples? Are the disciples the only ones who had a commissioning who were anointed, who were called, who were chosen, who failed? Or who prayed and didn't see it complete right away? And then I looked and said, you know, who is the best example? Who is perfect? Jesus. So if we, if we look at Jesus in Mark chapter 8, um, this is, the this, this story is found from verses 22 to 26. Jesus is going, and a lot of Jesus' ministry happens. The, the ministry that you read about is the interruptions. Most of the ministry where he like planned a service and like prayed for people, it says they brought sick people and he healed them all. Um, in the spots where you like, you get the story, it's like Jesus was on a walk and someone interrupted him. So he's, he's walking to Bethesda. And so people brought him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man out of the village. And then when he'd spit on his eyes, which is weird. If, if I pray for you, I won't spit on your eyes. Okay? At least not without asking. Um, um, if, if God directs, I suppose you, you do what he says. But he says, um, he laid hands on him and says, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. And I look and I'm like, um... That does not look like success. That looks like improvement, right? If I stop right here, Jesus, God in the flesh, God Almighty prayed and didn't see it or saw halfway. And I'm like, man. So what does Jesus do when he prayed and saw a halfway miracle? Does he go, oh, crud, I forgot God wanted you sick. Um, 
you know, there's a lesson that you're supposed to learn through this sickness and you haven't learned it yet. Looks like you halfway learned it. So you got halfway healed. Keep learning. I'm like, what, what does he do? Where, where is the response? And I, I begin to, to look and I begin to think of the ways that we would spot, respond or that different denominations would respond or that different cultures would respond. And then I looked at what Jesus responded. Jesus' response, then Jesus laid his hands on him again and opened his eyes and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. So when Jesus prayed and he didn't see it, Jesus' answer was to pray again. It wasn't to change his theology to fit what he just saw. He kept praying to change what he saw to fit his theology. And, and so I was looking at this and I'm like, okay, so this is, this is different. But in our society, I feel like so many people shift their theology to meet their experience instead of pushing in to see their experience meet their theology. But this isn't new. John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 11 we, we see John guilty of the same thing. See, John knew something. In John chapter, John the, uh, so different John, but John chapter one, uh, verse 29, John the Baptist says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he declares that Jesus is the Messiah that is to come. And he makes this bold declaration of, of who he is, he states that God had spoken to him and that God had given him a sign, that he had seen the sign. Like, he spells it out in detail. But in Matthew chapter 11, John does not like what he sees. John is in, in a mess. John is in prison. He called out the political leader on his immorality and said, it was not right for you to steal your brother's wife. And Herod did not like that. And so he locked up John. He's like, don't tell me what I can do. I'm locking you up. And so he is in prison and he's been in prison for a bit and he doesn't like it there. And he wants out. And he goes, hey, Jesus. The, the, actually, I, I, in, uh, he says, this is verse two, uh, three. Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? He sends this word to Jesus. I'm like, um, you boldly, loudly proclaimed that he was the one. What happened? What he expected to see wasn't happening the way he expected it to. He expected Jesus to raise an army and to destroy Rome and to set the captives free. He was in prison and he wanted set free. Now, whether he was truly doubting Jesus or whether he was just like, hey, Jesus, hey, remember you're supposed to set the captives free. <laughs> I'm captive. And like trying to like poke him and get him to hurry up on the mission. Uh, I, I don't, I can't read all of his heart. I can only read what they wrote down. But Jesus' response was to go tell him what you hear. And he begins to list prophecies that were being fulfilled but he cut off at the one that John wanted. John wanted him to continue and go, and the prisoners will be set free. And Jesus ends with, blessed is the one who's not offended because of me. He's like, that's not what I wanted. But he began to shift 
he began to question what was so clear because of what he saw. I have seen that today. I have sat in the room with pastors who go, yeah, I know the Bible says that God heals, but what about so-and-so who died? And they go, if I didn't see it, I don't know, like, but if I didn't see it this time, and they decide to try to form a theology around their experience. In fact, has anyone watched The Chosen? Okay, if you're like, what are you talking about? There's a TV program that's coming out about Jesus and his disciples. And it has been really cool watching some of this like come to life and them give personality to people and, and to try to think, what would it really be like to be with Jesus? But um, I've really enjoyed it. In the third season, they decided to slip something in that wasn't in the Bible. Well, they slipped a lot of things that weren't in the Bible, but they slipped not just a like a couple people interacting, they slipped theology that they created around experience. And they, create, they, they had somebody come to Jesus and Jesus not heal them. And Jesus tell them, well, I have lots of people who can tell the story of being healed. You can tell the story of loving me even though you weren't healed. I was so upset. I'm like, I have thoroughly enjoyed this program, but that's not just not in the Bible. That is contrary to the Bible. If you go into Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit with power, and he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. In fact, if you, if you look at it, I already found 11 spots that talk about him healing them all. If his disciple who is walking around with him at all of these spots was sick, broken, and hurting, and wanting healed, it would have to say he healed them all except his one disciple who he wanted sick. But it doesn't say that. It says he healed them all over and over and over. So, but my, 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 my point is this. It's so easy to throw off what the promise and what the word says and to go, but I saw something or I didn't see something and therefore I'm gonna create the theology around this experience. But I want to tell you something. Experience can lie to you. If I shoot a basket and I miss, what does that say? It says, I'm not very good. It says, if I am Zero for one. I have shot one time and I have missed. I am at a 100% miss rate. And if I extrapolate that forward, it says I will never make a basket. I am hopeless and I missed, right? Because that's how a lot of people do prayer. And they sit here and they go, well, I missed. I must always be a miss. My prayers are broken. And they create this theology around it. But that's not what Jesus did. In Matthew, sorry, we're going to go Mark again. Mark chapter 5, verse 8. Jesus is dealing with um, another one. He's got uh, a guy with a load of demons. I say a load because when he's talking to this man, um, it says uh, they declared themselves legion. A full legion was 6,000... 200, 6,400 soldiers. 
and I, there's a breakdown of, of how many foot soldiers and how many this that is, but the devil is a liar and the father of lies. So when the demons say that they're a legion, were they really a legion? I don't know, but that's what they said. Um, but there was a bunch of them there. So Jesus, but when I, when I read this, I thought the only time that Jesus prayed twice was the blind guy. And then I was reading this and it said, um, when Jesus saw him from afar, he fell down before him and was crying out with a loud voice. He said, what have you to do with us? Jesus, son of, Nazareth, son of the most high, I adjure you um, by God, do not torment me for he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And that word saying, and I, I checked the, the Greek and I checked with Rick Renner, who is my favorite Greek scholar and who's, I text regularly to be like, hey, so Greek of, of this word. Is, it's, it seems that this is saying that the demon was speaking in response because it had already been told. He said, yes, that, that is a repetitive. He was saying, 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 I think he said like four times. Like it is a active continuing to say. So when Jesus began to speak and this demon responded, he didn't go, ah, I'm out of juice. I'm out of power. Stupid demon wouldn't leave. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't go, oh no. He didn't even go to the disciples. Hey guys, I need you to back me up. Gather around. Like he just goes, okay. I said, come out. And, and and we, when we see this come to an end, the demons are all gone. But Jesus, Jesus wasn't phased. And Jesus kept after it. And then I went back and I looked at the story at the bottom of the mountain. And the Bible doesn't spell this out, but I want to tell you what I think happened. I think that that boy, that father brought that boy before the disciples. And the disciples were like, <clears throat> oh yeah, we got the power. Jesus gave us the power. And I think that they started to pray. I think that boy convulsed just like he did in front of Jesus. And I think the disciples went, oh, it's broken. And I think they gave up. And when Jesus came, they're like, Jesus, why didn't it work? When Jesus came down, he saw the boy convulse and he just wasn't bothered. He's like, so it's got to come out. I was uh, listening to um, Randy Clark this week. And um, when I was listening to him, he says, if things get worse while you're praying, he goes, you've got it. He goes, if you spot it, you've got it. He goes, when you do that, that means there's demonic opposition. You now have found them. You can cast them out and they are going to be healed. He goes, when you see a response, when you begin to pray, then you know you've got it. And this completely different perspective than what so much of the church has held, where so much of the church has held this like, but I prayed and I didn't see it right away or that I prayed and it got worse for a moment. And so I stopped. He's like, dude, that means you've got it. Go for it. Never give up. And I watched Jesus continue to pray and continue to go after it. And when he did, he saw results. And I began to look and go, okay, so maybe, maybe my prayers aren't broken. Maybe I just gave up too soon. And um, 
I, I was trying to figure out which way to, um, to go here. There are reasons that things are, can be delayed, where things didn't work the first time around. And we could go into all sorts of different things of, hey, is this the case? Is this the case? Is this the case? But in some of them, you may peg it and be like, hey, you're so full of unforgiveness that that opens up a door for the devil. You might have something that's like, all right, this is what's going on. But like in Daniel chapter 10, verse uh, one, see if I got the right marker. Nope, wrong marker. Anyways, Daniel chapter 10, he goes, goes through and he says that he started praying and fasting for 21 days. After 21 days, an angel shows up. And the angel goes, from the moment that you begin to pray, I was sent. Like, from the moment you begin to pray? That was 21 days ago. That's three weeks. How many of us pray for three weeks? Like, and he was like fasting and praying. This is not like, hey, you know what? Every once in a while, I pulled out my prayer journal. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to pray for that. Like he was full on going after it. And after three weeks, this angel shows up and goes, oh yeah, I came, I was sent right away, but there was this demonic opposition and I was fighting him for a while and then God sent this other angel. And like, it's crazy. But, but when, I, when I looked and said, you know what, sometimes there's more going on, but how often do we throw it away? I, I did something stupid once. Okay, I did something stupid more than once, but I'm gonna tell you about one of them. So uh, in college, we were working at this, this conference. We were... Um, helping out. And we had some downtime because everybody else was in session and we were, we already had everything set up, you know, shifted around for them. And I saw the ingredients to make an explosion. Firework, bomb, whatever you want to call it. So um, just a little one. So took a, a small water bottle and saw that they had the right ingredients that I will leave nameless. But when combined inside of the bottle, they will produce a chemical reaction um, that expands. And if that container is sealed, it will pop or blow up. So um, it's something I've, I'd seen plenty of times and some of the people I was working with hadn't. I'm like, oh, this will be fun. So um, I gathered the necessary ingredients, shoved them into the bottle, and there was lots of reaction going on. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be great. So I gathered a few of the other college students tapped it, shook it, and you run quickly because, especially with the little ones, because they go fast. And so you back up and it goes, whoop, and stopped. And I don't remember if we could hear the hissing on this one or not, um, which you don't want to hear hissing, that, that's de defeating the, the, the purpose. But it expanded and then it stopped. And I waited, and I waited, and I waited. And I was like, sorry, guys. That one's a dud. Like, I think we might have even heard the hissing. Like, oh man, so we stopped, didn't hear the hissing anymore. And so I come up and I pick up the, the water bottle that had grown, but not popped. That was a fail. And I pick it up and I go to unscrew the cap and I'm going to have a stretched out bottle. But what I didn't know was in the threads, there was like a little crack. So it was just letting out pressure just a little bit. And when I picked it up and went like this, it put a little, little bit more pressure, it sealed the crack, and it blew up in my face. Like, boom! Like, oh! Oh, that was loud! And then there was, my hand stung for a while, and there was shrapnel on me. Not shrapnel, that's not the right word. But 
without exposing the chemicals, I can't exactly explain what it was that then was on me, and I don't need to inspire anyone else to blow things up on them. But, um, but here was the thing. When you give up on things too early, they can blow up in your face. Hey. Um, I think a lot of Christians give up on things too early. I think that it's not that our prayers are broken. I think that we often throw them away. We look at it and we go, it grew, it grew, it stopped, didn't work, throw it away. And that, that may be safer than unscrewing it and blowing it up in your face, but I guess probably not because some of them are literally matters of life and death that they're throwing away because they didn't see results right away. And they're building a theology that goes, well, I guess God must not want to heal this person. It must be for God's glory that this person's sick. It must be a lesson that they need to learn. Or, and they have all of these different excuses. They have all of these different things that they try to write. And, and I, I was looking at this and going, okay, so, so how do I not let go? And it's really important to understand that there's hope and there's faith and they're different. And a lot of people have hope where they should have faith. Here's the thing. Hope is based on desire and possibility. You can hope for anything that is pleasant that you would like to happen that could somehow maybe possibly happen. People will do things that are crazy out of hope. When the lotto gets really big, people hope to win and spend stupid amounts of money trying to win. Are they going to win? Probably not. In fact, statistics will tell you they're more likely to get struck by lightning than win the big jackpot. But nonetheless, out of hope, they'll do something. But when they don't win, they go, oh, bummer. Why? Because they knew they were probably not going to win. Because there was no promise of winning. There was simply the possibility of winning. And so they were going out on a limb or spending some money just on the possibility that perhaps maybe they would be the lucky one who would win. And that's how a lot of people take on prayer. But see, prayer is supposed to be done in faith. And you go, well, how do we do it in faith? In faith, you find a promise. And when I have a promise, I can take things on differently. See, it's, it's like having a receipt. If I make a reservation at a hotel and I show up, or you just show up and you're like, hey, I want a room. And they're like, sorry, don't have any rooms. You're like, oh no, bummer right? And you have to walk away. You hoped you'd get a room. They said they don't have any room. You let it go. But if you have a receipt that says, I reserved a room and I paid for it, and they're like, oh, we're out of rooms. You're like, yeah, yeah, but mine's one of the ones that's taken. I've got a receipt. Oh, I, I don't see it. Well, find your manager. What do, what do you mean? I paid for a room. You need to find it. I don't know. Probably somebody spelled my name wrong, or they put a space in there, or they didn't put a space in there, or they put two spaces in there. I don't know, but find it. It's in there. I paid. I have a receipt. Go find the manager. The manager comes out and goes, what can I do? I paid for a room. I want my room. They go, well, what's your reservation number? What's your confirmation number? And we're going to go back and forth and they're going to go through and hopefully they're going to go, here's your room. Or they're going to go, hey, you reserved it for next week. But whatever the case may be, um, I'm going to take it on very differently when I have a promise. And when I sit here and go, no, my promise, see, my sheet says it's this week. If they sit here and go, well, we gave your room away. I'm like, all right, then you're going to find me a new room at another hotel and you're going to pay for it. Why? Because you took my money and you, I have a receipt. 
When we have God's promises, we're not going at this going, oh, I have to earn this thing I am hoping to win. You're going, no, no, I have this thing. This thing has been provided. Jesus already paid for it. And I can now stand there and when I don't see it, I don't walk away going, oh, bummer. I hope that would happen. I go, no, 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 I have a receipt. Let's stand here. Let's pray again. Let's go for it. And it's different. And when we push through, because we have faith, we can push through because I have a promise that I can count on, that I can go back to, I can stand, and I can continue to pray. And if I don't see something, well, then I missed the shot. That doesn't mean that it's hopeless forever. God's word didn't change if I miss. I'm going to go back at it, and I'm going to find God's word, and I'm going to go back through, and I'm going to press in and watch God move. All right, so... I want to do something tonight. I want to, uh, the band's going to come back up. I want to do a couple things real quick. And first off, as I, I, this was not the message I wanted to bring tonight. This was like rolling around and stirring in my heart. There was another one that I wanted to do um, on the big ask, and it was going to be fun with a K, um, but it was going to be fun. I was excited about it, but I, I felt like God, I just couldn't get away from this one. And I believe that there are some people that are here or watching or both. Actually, I believe it's both. Um, that you prayed for some things and you gave up and you threw your prayers away. You said, I prayed and I didn't see something happen right away. I guess my prayers are broken. I want you to know that your prayers aren't broken, that God wants to move. He wants you to lay a hold of his word, to stand strong and to pray again and he wants to move. Um, I want everybody here to take a moment And to check, going, do you have prayers that you threw away? Is there something that you gave up on? And we're going to pray here in a minute. And if you gave up on something, I want to pray for it tonight. While you're pondering and they're they're starting to play here, um, I want to give you some promises. Um, And if... If, as you go through this, you're like, you know what? The promise, the, the thing that I threw away was healing. I'm going to list some promises. If it was needing some wisdom, some provision, some dealing with fear, discouragement, or depression, I'm going to give you some promises. I'm going to go through these pretty quick. So you're just going to, if you're taking notes, just scribble down the reference because Isaiah 53, 5 says that by his stripes, we were healed. Mark 16, uh, verse 18 Talking about the signs that will follow believers, it says they will lay their hands on the sick and they'll recover. In Jeremiah 30, 17, it says, I will restore health to you and your wounds I will heal. In James 5, 16, he says, pray for one another that you may be healed. In Psalms 103, verse two, he says, forget not all his benefits, who forgives your iniquity and who heals your diseases. If you need wisdom, he said to ask for wisdom and that he would give generously in James 1, 5. He says in Psalms 32, 8, that he will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. Colossians 1.9, he says, I've not ceased to pray for you that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. If you need provision, God says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and these things will be added to you. In Philippians 4.19, he says that God will supply every, all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If you need direction, he said not to lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He said his word is a lamp unto your feet and light unto your path. If you're dealing with fear, 
2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. He told us in 1 Peter 5, 7 to cast our, our anxieties on him because he cares for you. In Isaiah 41, verse 10, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In, they're, they're in discouragement, he says he knows the plans he has for you in Jeremiah 29, 11. Plans to prosper you and to give you a future and a hope. He said to come to him, those who are heavy laden, he will give you rest. In Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, if you're dealing with depression, in Deuteronomy 31, verse 8, he says, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Psalms 9, 9, it says that the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed and a stronghold in times of trouble. First Peter 5, 7, again, he says, to cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Psalms, or sorry, Philippians 4, 6 and 8, 6 to 8, says to be anxious for nothing, but in everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.